of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Brought to you by the first-ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Hello, friends. Jack, Flight School O'Brien here. Uh, also known as Jack, still can touch Ned if I get a running start and haven't eaten heavy breakfast to O'Brien, uh, both nicknames that I go by. Inviting you to check out Miles and Jack got mad boosties for a weekly basketball conversation with me and my co-host from the Daily Zeitgeist, Miles Gray. We are joined by comedians, writers, podcasters, and fellow NBA fans as we discuss the latest news and events from around the league. Check it out. Miles and Jack got mad boosties. Brought to you by the first ever Toyota Grand Highlander. Stay connected and never miss a beat with AT&T. Our reliable network covers more roads than any other carrier, ensuring you're always in the loop. Whether it's tournament upsets, buzzer beaters, or social media buzz, stay up to date. Don't let the action pass you by. Check if you're eligible for a free trial of in-car Wi-Fi at att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi. And keep the madness going. Always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. They say the Irish goodbye is when you slip out unnoticed without bidding anyone farewell. An easy exit. The Jewish goodbye, however, is when you do in fact say farewell, but you never leave. When we've decided it's time to leave a dinner or a party or any kind of get-together, my husband Jordan prefers to just call it, give a wave, and walk out the door. Me? When it comes to the Jewish goodbye, I'm basically a rabbi. Have I improved over time? No, I think you'd like to be in a Jewish goodbye for hours. Some say I'm at a bar mitzvah to this very day. In March of 1970, Svetlana Aliyeva finds herself in just such a dilemma. She said goodbye, and she's ready to leave, yet somehow compelled to remain at Taliesin West. While she did have plans in San Francisco the following week, she could also see the appeal of this community of artists throwing flashy parties in the desert. Not to mention, she was falling for Wes Peters, the tall, sad architect with an Abraham Lincoln face. Fearing of involvement with this charming man approaching me, I told firmly to my hostess that I was delighted to be her guest, but that now I must continue further my pre-planned trip. Her hostess, Olga Vanna, doesn't like the sound of this. Why are you in such a hurry? Oh, but I must leave, Mrs. Wright. I have a ticket. Today I must leave. Why do you have to leave? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh, because I have other plans and people are yeah. waiting. 
But Easter is coming, Olgavana declares. It's our biggest party of the year. The desert is blooming just for you. And then Olgavana asks slyly, By the way, how do you like Wes? Olgavana's gaze is powerful, almost hypnotic. Svetlana admits she likes Wes very much, but she really must be going. Stay for another week, Olgavana implores. If I stay for another week, I'll never get out of here. She might not be a member of my tribe, but Svetlana is a practitioner of the Jewish goodbye in the highest regard. She says goodbye to Olgavana, but she doesn't leave after one week. Oh no, she stays. My name is Dan Katroser, and this is Svetlana Svetlana. You wake up in the morning, you live your day, and then you do it tomorrow and over and over again. One, goodbye, I must be staying. So through Olgavana's irresistible power, Svetlana pushes her plans and extends her visit another week through Easter. Now, as a Jewish kid growing up in the 90s without cable, I spent my Easters watching Franco Zeffirelli's six-and-a-half-hour epic, Jesus of Nazareth. His disciples must have come in the night, removed the stone, and taken away the body. Now that I'm older and wiser, I know that that was just a movie. That Easter is the springtime holiday where a giant rabbit lays eggs and children eat them because they are chocolate. For the folks at Taliesin, Easter was an over-the-top blowout bash. Easter was, like all the other celebrations at Taliesin, a monumental affair. (laughs) That's Leslie Lockhart Bisharat. Her parents were both fellowship apprentices. She grew up at Taliesin and stayed there until she was 19. As you can tell, I'm getting very excited talking to you. Yeah, you've got more than you know, Oh my God, is she ever going to shut up? Or, no, are you kidding me? I'm like, oh my God, are you going to tell me everything? <laughs> Leslie is in her 70s now, but she recounted the Easter celebration as if she were still a kid, just three feet tall, overcome by the magic of it all. You know, the festivities were just, they had a childlike quality to them because they had these long strings of balloons coming out of the reflecting pools that would soar way up in the sky. They were held in place with, you know, boulders in the bottom of the pool. They festooned the whole Taliesin West property. And then the zillions of flowers. So the whole place is decked out like a Christian fairy tale wonderland. 150 people are here to feast and to party. And the food preparations are elaborate, starting days in advance. On the menu, a sweet Slavic cheese called pasca, dotted with almonds and raisins. Oh, and don't forget Olgavana's signature Easter bread, baba. The baba cooling when it came out of the oven, it was like all hands on deck with 
pillows and clean pillowcases and towels and you're rolling the bob on its side, cooling it so it doesn't collapse, so it stays light. Each step of the food preparation was almost ceremonial. There was a ritual. There were certain people at Taliesin who did it every year. I found Olgavana's recipe for baba in her autobiography. Here's my favorite step. Quote, 20 boys beat baba, four at a time, and two hold the pan. Don't be too gay at first. You may regret it. End quote. I could write a follow-up joke for this, but I don't have to. And then there were the Easter eggs. Oh, the Easter eggs. These architects who became little Michelangelo's, <laughs> each with their own flair. Dude, I've seen these Easter eggs. They are intense, far beyond your average crayon and dip dye. There are portraits of Olga Vanna and Frank Lloyd Wright wrapped around an egg, replications of paintings by Gustav Klimt and Da Vinci and Wright's signature geometric patterns. They're vibrant and detailed and kept the architects occupied together through much of the evening. And you know who is a freakishly good egg painter? Wes fucking Peters. According to one newspaper article, Wes painted 14 eggs that Sunday for Svetlana, each decorated with a medieval station of the cross. Hot. The whole event of Easter Sunday and the days of preparation and kinship leading up to it must have been dizzying for Svetlana. You know, when people work together or have an evening like that, there is such a strong connection. You you feel this common spirit and love and reverence for the place. It was uh, truly memorable. I'm trying to place myself in Svetlana's shoes, trying to see this world through the eyes of a woman who grew up in the grayscale of the Soviet Union. And here she is in the most technicolor world one could imagine. Is she not Dorothy emerging from her black and white Kansas house? Are the apprentices not munchkins parading her through their utopian Oz? It was very difficult not to get charmed. It's very difficult not to get charmed. After the festivities are over, Wes takes her out for another dinner in Scottsdale. It had been just two weeks since Svetlana had arrived at the Phoenix International Airport and been picked up by Yvonne Lloyd Wright, who casually remarked that Svetlana could be her sister. Two weeks since Olga Vanna had embraced her by the front pool, repeating her name over and over again. Two weeks since she'd first met Wes at a party thrown in her honor, where Olga Vanna proudly said, Wes and Svetlana are together again. She'd stayed until Easter, just like Olga Vanna had asked. Now she was free to be on her merry way, back to life as she'd left it, before she'd stumbled into this colorful desert mirage. But something was still pulling her deeper. And it was this evening, over a meal at a French restaurant, that Svetlana says she fully surrendered. The Jewish goodbye strikes again. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City 
Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com slash stereo right now. NetSuite.com slash stereo. NetSuite.com slash stereo. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees, every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Act 2. I don't like people who are happy. Now, as you recall, Wes had already taken Svetlana on a few dates outside the walls of Taliesin in downtown Scottsdale. But on those dates, Svetlana describes Wes as being quiet and removed. She knew the man had stories to tell. He was Frank Lloyd Wright's protege, after all, and had married into the family by wedding Olgavana's daughter, the first Svetlana. But Wes had revealed very little about his personal life thus far. This evening is going to be different. This night, after the dizzying affair of Easter, after all that world-class egg painting, this night, William Wesley Peters is going to tell Svetlana his story and it's going to draw her to him like a moth to a flame. We went to some French place and ate and drank and sat there until the place was closed. And here he talked about himself. He was full of pain. And I always feel compassion to people who have some kind of pain or misfortune or whatever. Mm. And his Mm. face was kind of sad. I I don't like people who are happy, go, lucky, rich, Mm. successful, Mm. you know. Me either. 
I only like sad, unlucky, poor people myself. Now look, I wasn't there at the French restaurant when Svetlana fell for Wes. In fact, when I went to Scottsdale, no such restaurant existed. But I found a record of one Chez Louis, a French joint that closed down in the 80s. It's very possible that this was the room where it happened. So let's go there now, to Chez Louis. And remember, I'm a playwright. I can't help but dramatize. According to an old listing in the Arizona Republic, reservations are recommended. But I bet Wes doesn't need one. He's Wes, wearer of tan suits and lapis lazuli bolo ties. He'd be greeted at the door by the restaurant's owner, Louis himself, who sports his usual black tuxedo and has the debonair appearance of a retired James Bond. Louis would snap his fingers, and a waiter would instantly escort Mr. Peters and his unusual guest, a red-haired woman with a wide smile to match her wide eyes, to a table in the back. Oh, what a relief it probably is for both of them to take their seats and study the menu while some quiet French jazz drums in the background. After a long day of celebrating and mingling with hundreds of people in the bright desert sun, finally it's just the two of them in a dimly lit lounge. Svetlana's focus is entirely on Wes. And while we obviously don't have an audio recording of that date, we do have Wes recounting his life story in an oral history interview from 1987. In June of uh, 1932, I heard about Frank Lloyd Wright's uh, starting this new dispensation where he had students or apprentices, as we were called. God, he's so boring to listen to. Wes's story of becoming Frank Lloyd Wright's first apprentice is romantic. The MIT engineering genius who dropped out of school, hitched a ride to Taliesin, and walked up the path to meet the master. And then I saw Mr. Wright, and he, he was certainly impressive. And right away, I decided that I wasn't going to go back to MIT. And so I was the first person to enroll and sign up. Actually, I'm paid. <laughs> <laughs> Wes was running towards a dream to study architecture at the foot of a five-foot-eight giant. It was an exciting mission, everyone coming together to build something larger than life. I wonder what Wes told Svetlana that night. He may have smiled as he finished his glass of wine and moved over to a martini while he recounted the early days of building Taliesin and the Fellowship. We went up in the hills and cut down big trees, and we poured both sandstone for the hillside buildings and limestone for Taliesin proper. And everybody, I think, was terribly enthusiastic. It was while hauling firewood that Wes gets to know Olgavana's 15-year-old daughter, Svetlana Hinzenberg-Wright, the first Svetlana, who Frank Lloyd Wright had adopted as his own. It didn't take long for them to fall hopelessly in love. At first, it was a forbidden love. When the Wrights found out, they were furious, betrayed. But when they cooled down and Svetlana was old enough to marry, she and Wes tied the knot. He became more than just the first apprentice. He became family. You know, he was, of course, the son-in-law, which gave him special status. But he also was widely recognized by, uh, I think, Frank Lloyd Wright and everybody at Taliesin as very smart and very 
technically competent. That's Harold Zellman again, co-author of The Fellowship with Roger Friedland. Wes was the engineer behind some of Wright's greatest accomplishments. Falling Water, the crazy columns at Johnson Wax, the Guggenheim Museum. But it wasn't just his engineering proficiency that endeared him to the other fellows. He was a punster. He was a a practical joker. Wes was also extremely generous, always buying gifts for the apprentices, staying up with them all night while they were drafting. They looked up to him. Here's Roger. He liked speed. He liked daring. It was he who insisted upon getting this World War II Jeep that had a very narrow wheelbase and hence made it dangerous to go too fast on a curve. And that's what killed her. That's what killed Svetlana. I imagine it's late at Chez Louis now, after midnight. The lights are at their lowest, the other diners all gone, the olives waiting in the tiniest of pools in the third or fifth martini. And Wes is finally telling the awful, tragic story of the death of his young wife nearly 24 years ago. Svetlana Hinzenberg Wright Peters was a young mother with two small kids in the back seat, pregnant with her third. While Wes was busy working at Taliesin, Svetlana was driving in the Jeep the one Wes had chosen with the narrow wheelbase that made it dangerous to go fast on a curve? She got distracted. The steering wheel turned out she was uh, coming over a bridge and the car flipped over into a stream. Svetlana was 29. Daniel was just two. The only survivor of the crash was Wes and Svetlana's four-year-old son, Brandok. He climbed out of the muddy stream and ran a mile to Taliesin. By the time Wes found out, it was far too late to do anything. I can't imagine what it was like to hang up the phone from a client and look down at your four-year-old son covered in mud, alone, giving you the news that the rest of your family is dead. Wes took the guilt on himself uh, for the death of Svetlana. It seems quite clear. I think he always carried that guilt with him. I imagine Svetlana's eyes glazing over in tears at Wes, this stoic man's man, who had said so little in the previous two weeks. And now, here they are, just the two of them. And he's bearing his soul, handing it over to her like it was a spoonful of creme brulee I'm sure they ordered. This was special. Svetlana knew in her heart that it was something special about her, about the two of them, about the alchemy of two grieving souls, which can make a bond impenetrable. I felt that, oh my God, finally, finally, I would love to stay with this man, you know, until the end of my days. The only problem is, Svetlana doesn't know if Wes loves her back. It's like a middle school crush in your 40s. And just like any crushing preteen, she needs someone to mediate the budding romance. Wes, do you like Svetlana? Check yes, maybe, no. Enter one matchmaking mother-in-law. According to an unpublished chapter of Olga Vanna's autobiography, when Svetlana returns to Taliesin that evening, she is overcome. She runs to Olgavana's private chamber, puts her head in Olgavana's lap, and exclaims, Mother, I'm afraid I'm falling in love with Wes. 
That's right. Svetlana called a woman she just met two weeks ago, mother. I called her mother because everybody did. Really? Yeah, everybody did. Okay. In 1970, Hello, Dolly! was playing its seventh and final year on Broadway. And if I had a say, I would 100% have cast Olga Vanna as Dolly Levi, musical theater's greatest matchmaker. Give me Carol Channing. I have always been a woman who arranges things like luncheon parties, poker games, and love. And what's amazing is Svetlana lets her play the part. Olga Vanna has been auditioning ever since that first night when she declared emphatically over dinner that Wes and Svetlana were together again, repeating their names like a chant. Svetlana had bristled. But now, Svetlana is lovestruck and vulnerable, throwing herself at Olga Vanna's feet, desperate for some motherly advice. And Olga Vanna, who has matched so many other Taliesin couples throughout the years, is ready and raring to go. Olga Vanna pushes, prods, pazoinks Wes all throughout Taliesin. At the mess hall, at his drafting table, in the garden, she cups her hands together dramatically and says, Wes, you have a jewel offered to you right there for the taking. Imagine, I will die in much more peace knowing that you are no longer alone. Mother-in-laws, am I right? You know, I used to really not like olives but I wanted to be someone who likes olives. So I forced myself to start eating olives. And now, I like olives. What I'm saying is, Svetlana is an olive. And after a few days of twisting and stirring, mixing and meddling, Olga Vanna tells Svetlana, perhaps you should be a bit bolder. And it's this gas in the tank, this magic bullet in the gun, this pickle from the deli that pushes Svetlana over the edge to tell Wes she wants to be married. The next time they go out, Svetlana brings up the idea of marriage. And after a mere 20 days of courtship, Wes says those magic words every little girl dreams of hearing their Prince Charming deliver. He says, and I quote, Sure. Pressure with the thumbs, matrimony comes when I put my hand in there. More after the break. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Okay, quick math. 
The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. Obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform with one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. And you're improving efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to NetSuite.com stereo right now. NetSuite.com stereo. NetSuite.com stereo. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Act 3. Here Comes the Bride. Tuesday, April 7th, 1970. Three weeks after Svetlana's arrival. The day of her wedding to Wes. Girl moves fast. In the grand sunlit living room of Taliesin West, with its sloped wood and glass ceiling, stone walls and burnt orange cushions, 75 people gather. Fancy people are there. Even fancier people were invited. I found the invites while going through the archives at Taliesin. I'm just going through her everything for her wedding. This is just insane. I wish that you could come on my love. Mrs. Dwight Eisenhower. Mr. Sterling Rockefeller. Miss Georgia O'Keefe. I lost a paper clip. I should not be an archivist. Most of the guests are members of the fellowship, but we've also got a Quaker minister, a reporter for the Arizona Republic, and Svetlana's lone honored guest, her lawyer. Olga Vanna's records of the wedding are meticulous and comprehensive. There was the detailed day of itinerary, replete with which architect apprentices would be assigned to park cars or serve refreshments. Svetlana and Wes wedding reception, underlined and capitalized. Setting up Sunset Terrace, the tables, chairs, and flowers. Living room decorating. <laughs> Yovana, introducing the guest to Mrs. Wright, Svetlana and Wes. Oh my God. All the fellowships will be hosts. That's what Oh it my says. God. Ladies' powder room, Cornelia and Eloise, men's room, Tony and Steven. Oh my God. Oh, to be a fly on the duty in those bathrooms. Yeah. 
The place is decked out in florals. Shea Louis caters the hors d'oeuvres, while a huge wedding cake, baked and decorated with sweet peas by the fellows, sits in the kitchen with the rest of the wedding spread they've prepared. A pierogue hamburger pie, yum, and cabbage, work. And at the center of it all is Svetlana, beaming like a young bride in a white knee-length dress she just happened to pack in Princeton, and Wes, looking dapper in a black tuxedo and bow tie. Drawn nearly to tears of joy, Svet repeats her vows, faltering slightly, holding Wes's hands tightly. In the presence of these friends, I promise to be a faithful and loving wife. Wes kisses his bride. And then so do all 75 of the guests. Wait a minute. 75 people kiss the bride after the wedding? That's a lot of people kissing. In such a short time, Svetlana had a new home. She had a new husband, new friends. She even had a mother and a sister. She hadn't had a mother in 38 years. How did she feel? Well, the Arizona Republic ends their wedding coverage with this line from Svetlana. And then she says, could you add somewhere how happy I feel, she asked. Oh. Now, weddings usually take months to prepare, but this one takes place one week after Wes says, sure. Why the rush? Well, Svetlana really wants to be married on April 7th. She believes the number seven holds some mystical powers in her life. The phone number for the taxi in Delhi that drove her to the U.S. Embassy? 75-777. The date she flew from India to Rome? March 7th, 1967. Not to be Captain Obvious, but there is a seventh day of every month. Hell, just a few months down the road, Svetlana could be married on 7770. But like Tom Petty once sang, the waiting is the hardest part. So maybe it had something to do with a lucky number, but maybe Svetlana also thought Wes would back out if she didn't move at lightning speed. Or maybe this was just her being characteristically impulsive. Remember, she hadn't originally planned to defect from Russia. It was just that the pieces were in place for a defection to happen. When she first came here, she clearly hadn't planned on marrying Wes, but the pieces were in place, and she went for it. Hard. Olgavana was quick to oblige, and from what I can tell, she used it as an opportunity for publicity to spread the good word of Taliesin's offerings to potential students, donors, and clients among all the international press. Svetlana hadn't wanted reporters at her wedding, so Olgavana invited just one local newspaper. But Olgavana also planned a 300-person blowout and major press conference later that week. You win some, you lose some. Three weeks ago, the two met at Taliesin West, the Frank Lloyd Wright Architectural Foundation near Phoenix. Tuesday night, in almost absolute secrecy, they were married. Today, the new Mrs. Peters talked about the private ceremony. In the photos and videos from that week, Svetlana is glowing. Not a weary mother of two grown adults, but a young, vibrant, beautiful woman with her whole life in front of her. There's a 13-minute newsreel that I've watched over and over and over again. I had to share it with my husband, Jordan. The first few minutes of the video are silent images of Taliesin West. And then, all of a sudden, Svetlana and Wes appear. 
he's a foot taller than her. He looks like a SNL version of Nixon. Like a sexy Nixon. Mm, I wouldn't go with sexy. <laughs> a sadder Nixon. The audio starts when they reach one of the sitting rooms at Taliesin. Wes, in his gray wool suit, Svetlana in a sleeveless white dress, the two sit next to each other. And it's kind of weird. Well, Wes is manspreading, but Svetlana is, I think, as small as she could possibly be. Mm-hmm. Closed off. And Wes is looking probably at the chair, which is fur? Is that a fur chair? That looks like it's a fur chair. Fur chair? Yeah. Svetlana's eyes bulge wide as she sits listening to Wes talk. Reporters are asking him about the courtship, the romance, how quick it was, how he proposed. She sits there waiting for him to reveal something, to divulge his true passionate feelings. Mrs. Peters, can you tell me something about your courtship? Oh, well, it's a very difficult question, I really. Uh, well, maybe you would rather ask my, my husband. Mr. Peters. Wes just sort of sits there, stammering, unsure of any answers, unsure of anything. Is he bored? Annoyed? Is his brain somewhere else entirely? Well, we met here at Taliesin West. Our mutual feeling developed very fast. And, and this is the result of the... That's about the details. And then there's the most painful part of the entire interview. Is it possible, Mr. Peters, that you would reenact for those of us who are not here the kissing of the bride at the end of the press conference? The interviewer has just asked the newlyweds to kiss for the camera, and Wes rejects it in the most formal and stoic way possible. Well, I don't think that's, I don't really think that's necessary, or I have no, certainly no reason to object to anything, except I think that's a rather private and personal matter. Yes, it's a very romantic thing with the American people, that's why I asked that. Wes stares blankly, and then the camera pans over to Svetlana. She's looking down, off to the side. Wes may be super uncomfortable on camera, a sexy, sad Nixon, but Svetlana seems to be a bit out of it, too. Is it because after three weeks of peaceful anonymity, the last thing she wants is global media attention? Or is it because Olgavana had just revealed to her that Wes had a problem? On the eve, she called me and she, she told me that Wes has tremendous debts, which he cannot pay. He's facing bankruptcy. Wes, in all his generosity, was a spendthrift. He compulsively bought expensive clothes and jewelry and gifts, not just for himself, but for everyone. When I went to Taliesin, some of his former colleagues told me about how he'd leave whole coat racks of expensive, fashionable attire for the other apprentices to just take. Wes was underwater, and Svetlana was the new lifeguard. Here she is with Harold and Roger, recounting her talk with Olgavana. I was kind of surprised because he looked wealthy, they all looked wealthy, the whole place looked prosperous, and he was chief architect. And how come he is... In this, well, I didn't ask questions, but she said he has this problem. Svetlana had never had to worry about a financial burden before. Marrying someone in communist Soviet Russia just meant you split your potatoes, I think. I don't know. I'm not that smart. 
Svetlana doesn't really know or care to understand the details of her wealth, but she knows she has money, and she's a woman in love. What better way to prove her love and devotion than with a grand gesture of money? I said, oh, yes, Mrs. Wright, of course, of course, it's now our debts, you know, it's our debts, of course, we'll, we'll pay it off, it will be fine. And she was pleased. Then we have my last hypothesis. Svetlana's awkwardness in that wedding newsreel stems from the fact that Olgavana was introducing her to guests and reporters not as a national best-selling author, not as the new wife of Taliesin's chief architect, not even as Joseph Stalin's daughter. She proclaimed loud and proud, this is my daughter, Svetlana. I knew there was something deeply wrong in the identification with another woman who died long ago. But it was too late to think or doubt. Svetlana had a new husband in Wes, a new mother in Olgavana, a new sister in Yavana, a whole new Taliesin family. But three weeks in, how well could she really know any of these people? Who exactly is Wes Peters? Who exactly is Olgavana Lloyd Wright? And why would Roger have this to say about them? Olgavana had powers. There's no question about it. Psychological powers. And she figured out how to control him and to break him. On the next episode of Svetlana Svetlana. Svetlana Svetlana is a production of iHeart Podcasts and The Documentary Group. I'm your host, Dan Katroser. The show is written and produced by me, Adam Weber, Allison Joy, and Catherine Isaac. We also serve as executive producers. At The Documentary Group, our executive producer is Joe Batsilowitz, with production oversight by Stacey Klieger and additional support from Tom Yellen and Gabrielle Tenenbaum. Our iHeart team is supervising producer Casey Pegram and executive producer Maya Howard, editing assistance from producers Christina Loringer and Joey Pat. Original music by Ilan Isakov. Production counsel by Sloss Eckhouse Dasty Haynes Lawco. Clearance counsel by Ballard Spar. Fact-checking assistance by Megan Trout. Research assistance from Caleb Martin Rosenthal. Special thanks to my husband, Jordan Siegel, and Roger Friedland and Harold Zellman, authors of the book, The Fellowship, who kindly granted permission to include excerpts from their taped interview with Svetlana. Excerpts from Svetlana Aluyeva's book, The Faraway Music, are performed by Cassie Greer. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Turns out a delightfully clean home can make for a delightful start to the day. At Mrs. Myers, everything they make is inspired by the garden. 
With plant-derived and other thoughtfully chosen ingredients, their cleaning products smell like a dream and work like the Dickens, leaving your home sparkly clean and your to-do list tackled in no time. Goodness, there's no better feeling than that. Mrs. Myers, rooted in goodness. Visit MrsMyers.com today. You know, it can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. Invisible struggles like stress and burnout, caregiving for a loved one, or being misunderstood. But insight, awareness, and empathy will help us better see the issues they're dealing with. And that can make us and our companies healthier, too. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.